Hello everybody and welcome to a brand new episode of the brilliant podcast. It is I, Jamie, and as always joined by Emma. There we go, I got it right. There we go. <laughs> you did what I did Hello. last time. Where... <laughs> Looks like you forget the name. I was like lifting it up a little bit. It's going, is it that way? Yes, it is. There you go. Yay! <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yes, yes, I'm doing good. The, the quick thing was, obviously, I've been away for the past few weeks. So I haven't had a chance to watch anything new. But briefly, before we do continue with the podcast, you saying that you're watching The Cure for Wellness. Yes, I did watch that. That was, uh, I, um, it's not new, is it, really? It's new to me. Yes. Um, so, yes, yeah, so that is, uh, I find myself so strapped for time and it was on Netflix, even though I have it on DVD and it's still in its cell phone wrap. Um, yeah, it's pristine in the box. There you go, in in the in the IKEA box. I get what you mean. Cause like when I was moving house into the one that I'm in now, last February, I decided to take every single cellophane wrapper off every DVD and Blu-ray that I own whilst I moved house. Cause it was fun. Why? Because I had to because I had to alphabetize everything, make sure obviously when I move, they all go oh, into yeah. my place. And I was like, might as well just. <laughs> What I don't even know what the right word is now. Strip them, no, like <laughs> naked them. I don't know what it is. Like just take off the cellophane and unwrapped. Yeah, unwrapped. There, there's the word. Unwrap them all. <laughs> um, yeah, and now they're all. I mean, I've bought new ones since that. I probably haven't. But yes. I mean, but that must have taken you some time. I mean, yeah. I mean, but. When I was packing them all away, you could do it at the same time, couldn't you? It's just like, I've got one, let's unwrap it, there you go. And then I just had a massive pile of just plastic wrappers and stickers and stuff. Because I don't just, I don't just not unpack them. I still have the stickers on them. And because I worked at HMV for so long, they've got the HMV customer order number on there and my name on there and stuff. It's great. <laughs> looking back, I've got, I've got stickers downstairs on some DVDs. I've got Blockbuster, seven ninety for a film, three for 15, See, 20 quid. I'm like... Yeah, stickers, stickers. I think this is the thing with, like, I feel people who collect books have the same problem um, of when they put stickers on, like, books and things like that. It's the same thing for DVDs, especially when you've got, like, a, a kind of, like, luster cardboard cover. and uh, You don't want to scratch it and indent it trying to get it off. But also, at the same time, I don't want a massive like 50p uh, CEX sticker on my DVD cover. But also I love how I was just going to say as well really quickly is that like I love how you were like well I had to alphabetize them and I was like well obviously everyone yeah. else listening to this is probably like what, what? No, you don't need to alphabetize your DVDs. Some people that I follow on Instagram I'm not going to name any names they've got like <laughs> collections out there and it's just categorized but not alphabetized oh like you have like a selection of horror films selection of comedies some just throw them in there randomly like why why are you doing this oh no they've got to have some sort no no mine's all split out by by theme They're, like definitely 
elf well they were i've since had more so everything's kind of just shoved in a place where it fit but i do need to go through it again um my my long-suffering friend eloise had to go through and we counted out that i had like over 200 dvds which is obviously nowhere near in compared to what you have but uh we literally gutted them all out and counted them all <laughs> and wrote down all of the number all the names well you, you laugh at that what i wanted to do originally I remember back in the day Back in, back in my day, back when day. I was a kid, to um, <laughs> my granddad's house, he used to have a book of every single film he had on VHS, and he used to know the VHSs so you could find the films. Because I always used to watch Back to the Future all the time, obviously, because it's the greatest film ever made. And everything was numbered, and sometimes there'd be two films on one tape, so it would be like, blah, blah. And then each VHS case was numbered. So I was like, I'm going to do the 21st century version of this. And I went back to my year AICT days and I was like, Microsoft Access. Do you remember Microsoft Access? Mm. No, that's how no. old it is. There you go. So <laughs> basically what you had to do on Microsoft Access is you could type loads of stuff in. You had to do like a workbook. So I was going to do it with my DVD. So I type in every film that I own on Microsoft Access every title then you could put something like director genre starring but then i was like well starring's going to be too much because there's that many different actors in them because i was like i'm going to do that so i started doing it and then you could come to something like oceans 11 it's like who do i put brad pitt george clooney julie roberts it's like there's about five different and they go like this is the end or something you got something that's got an eight and an all-star list of people you're like I don't know. Don't know who to put on there. So maybe I'll go back to it one day and just do the title of the film, the genre, the director. Maybe. But then when you get actor, you could have all of like Tom Cruise and stuff. Like obviously I have a Tom Cruise film on there because I own a Cruise film. Well, would you rather than actor? Why don't you do like personal like um, five, like star review? Because I'm guessing you've seen, or at least know, like, are going to watch all the DVDs that you've got. Maybe. Who knows? Some of them just looked really nice when I bought them. <laughs> <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds like the absolute, like, like trigger of a hoarder sort of said to Like, well, it looked nice, so I just got it. Well, the worst part is with, um... Obviously, I worked at H&B, like that, and yeah. they used to do, like, a Christmas deal thing where I just got loads of stuff in for really cheap at one ninety nine to two ninety nine and I'm a sucker for steel books. You give me a steel book at two ninety nine it looks nice. I'm gonna buy it. So I've got Juno on Steelbook. Not the best film but it looks nice. Um, I've got Juno on Steelbook for like two pounds. Uh, <laughs> I will not take Juno slander. Thank you very much in this podcast. I never said it was awful, I'm just saying. And there was just like random ones that I just bought. I got a full Monty for like two three quid as well. <laughs> Again, Nobody needs to own the full Monty because it's on Channel Four like every other week. But they can own it on Steelbook. <laughs> well, this is the thing as well. I guess this we're slightly off topic, but um, with DVD is now becoming obsolete. What are you going to do with your collection? I went into H and V Derby um, to go and find um, Bram Stoker's Dracula, the uh, Coppelia. I can't say his last name, but the Francis, Francis Ford, Ford version. Coppola. Yeah, Coppola, that's it. The Francis Ford Coppola um, version discontinued, they told me. 
Devastated. So Just I've had to DVD. buy it on Amazon for the time. Sure well, yeah, apparently so. Yeah, but I only collect DVD. I don't have Blu-rays. I'm not starting a Blu-ray collection just for that one film. I'm already... I mean, now you've got 4K as well, but there you go. Well, he said this. He was like, we have it in 4K or Blu-ray, the, the person serving me. Um, and then uh, I was like, DVD? And he was like, no, no DVD. It's discontinued. And I was like, well, I'm not starting a Blu-ray collection now. <laughs> too late. <laughs> I'm in too deep. That's the thing that I know. I own Top Gun, VHS, DVD, Blu-ray, 3D, and 4K. That's just well. I mean, I'm, I, you're, we're biased on each other's sides because obviously you're biased to the fact that you know it's like one of like one of your all-time best films, and you know Tom Cruise. You're a big Tom Cruise actor. Myself. As a not Tom Cruise fan and also not really into planes and things like that, could not think like what that's a lot of money for one film. But I've met him, so it's okay. I know you have <laughs> met him. What a time to like. <laughs> I mean we could talk about Tom Cruise, let's just talk about interview the vampire. There you go. <laughs> we could talk oh, about we, we could do we could do a review. We could do a movie review one interview if you want. Have you watched it? Yeah. Hmm some point maybe because i've got a side <laughs> film we're doing next aren't we yeah well i've got some at ideas but yeah at the end of this episode uh, we'll have a chit chat but i have some ideas okay but i mean well let's get into this week's episode then because i know we've been chatting for nearly 10 minutes about random crap and dvd collection. <laughs> so let's talk about cheerleaders jocks nerds and virgins i love one of them which one do you love out of the options given. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's got to be the nerd every time. They're usually the ones that come through, aren't they? I think as well, in the more, like, the lines tend to blur a bit more now in a modern sense of what is, what who falls into these demographics. Um, but back in the day, the nerd was usually the one that ends up actually coming through and getting the girl. Unless they are a hybrid of nerd and also virgin. Then that just threw that. That's a whole different genre there going on there. But mm. that was that's my choice. What about you? What's your choice? I love the cheerleaders. Save the cheerleaders. Of course save you the do. world. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I think when you talk cheerleaders, are usually like the really popular girls, the bitches that usually just have the best deaths, don't they? Usually in any film, they're like the yeah. family get what comes to them. They get like a gruesome death where the head just gets impaled on a on like a coat anger or whatever or something like that. <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> anger. Also, it's not a coat anger. It's the thing that you have on the wall and stuff. Is uh, that actually been in the film? I'm sure, it has. A meat hook. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. Um. No. It, coat hanger. No. But there's the there's um the eye into a piece of wood. In that hmm. I forget which it's a zombie film. I forget which one, but it's an old one. Like Texas Chainsaw, don't you hang them on a meat hook? Yeah, but she's not the she's not the cheerleader out of. No, yeah, no, I'm just saying that they just hang them on a meat hook. She's the she's the astral. Tell me your star sign. I'll tell you, tell you how your week's gonna go, girl. (laughs) The kooky character. The kooky character, yeah. Yes, well, I mean, it's it's a trope that doesn't just go over to 
horror films. I know, I think you recently put on a post yesterday or today about the 1980s classic Breakfast Club. It's a trope yes. that's within all of them as well. You have a cheerleader, a jock, a nerd, and a virgin as well. So it's not something that's just synonymous with horror. I think it's just one that the horror movies took in and decided to adapt it to how they made their teen movies, especially within the 80s and definitely in the 90s when they came out with Scream and I know he did last summer and the resurgence of teen horror movies. Mm. I haven't watched a lot of teen horror films from recent years. I know we were talking earlier, so we had some comments on Instagram and Facebook about The Cabin in the Woods and stuff. I haven't seen I haven't seen that film, so you're going to have to speak a little bit more about that. I haven't seen well, I think we found what our next one is, so I don't. Oh, I don't know. I don't want to talk about it's it. My too much. choice. It's my choice. <laughs> I, I I know basic the premise of it, but obviously I'm not going to spoil it for people that haven't watched it. I kind of know what happens. As someone who and it's got the worst Hemsworth brother in it, right? It's got the what? The worst Hemsworth the... brother in it, right? One of the Hemsworths. No, is in no, it's got the one. it's got is the it it's got the the mate, yeah. It's got, it's got Thor, that's fine then. Yeah, it's not got Liam's, not Miley Cyrus's ex. No, not him. The other okay. one. Thor. Um, but that's a... Oh, I forget. I forget that there's Luke. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, anyway, besides the point. As some, what I was going to say is someone who has studied, you know, yourself, you've studied script writing and things like that. I'm very surprised that you've not really been into watching Cabin in the Woods yet. I'll... I'll tell you, to be fair, to be granted with Cabin in the Woods, I remember I saw it for ages and I was like, that really doesn't look like something I'd want to watch. And then I actually sat and watched it and I was like, oh, well, I'll be damned. Well, Abby. I'll be damned. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. Um, but yes, I'll talk about that uh, when we get round to it. Um, it's one of those that's kind of been like, should I watch it? Maybe. don't know. But maybe I'll watch it in three, four, five. Seven. I don't even know. So many weeks time. Whenever you decide that, I'll probably watch it next time. Is that six weeks? Probably. Something like that. Six weeks. Maybe that's what it is. I mean, you get you're getting an exclusive this in six weeks time. We're going to watch Cabin in the Woods. Don't oh well, but maybe, maybe it might not be. Don't be don't be selling a dream to people that might not come true. Okay. Um. <laughs> Yeah, Cabin in the Woods, like, we, you won't talk about it so much then, because what I saw that you were talking about, you're saying it kind of doesn't lend itself to this trope. So it's, 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 it does, um, but it's, it's a very, um, it leads you down a path that you think you know what's gonna go on and you're like oh we've seen this time and time again and then it, it's not what you think it is and then it, it yeah it's good it, it's a good pay it's a it, it comes around pretty quickly like the difference and it's it's a it's a nice change it's a nice pace change as well for the for the trope because i think um the reason the trope is so popular is because it is especially further back in time maybe not so much now i'd hope not so much now um that segregation of being a cheerleader a jock a nerd like a virgin or like nerdy girl for example because it's never the it's well again back in the day it's never the boys that are the virgins it's always the girls and they always end up being the final girl um but 
it seems like school life was quite segregated like that, especially in like American schools, um, which mm -hmm. isn't so much now. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like a more modern twist on that sort of genre, essentially. Okay, interesting. But um, I was going to say, I think the reason of why these this trope always worked is to quote a famous virgin himself. There's a formula, a very simple formula for horror movies, <laughs> and obviously you have this formula. It just works, doesn't it? And I think when horror was so dead in the water after sequel after sequel say obviously 1978 came with halloween 1985 and the 13th and then the 80s was just filled with sequel after sequel after sequel they were releasing like nightmare on elm street every year after 1984 you had about seven halloween films that year three chucky films seven sorry you had six nightmare on elm street films um another five seven halloween films as well so mm -hmm basically horror was dead and i don't think a lot of these older slasher movies followed these tropes to a degree as much like they were basically like, i'm just gonna i'm a, you, you're kind of rooting for the killer in these ones you're just like yeah just kill someone i've just come to see freddie kill someone don't care so there wasn't really a lot of these tropes and then it wasn't until scream in 1996 it reinvented the horror movie and when scream came out in 1996 it just changed everything completely because horror like i said was reinvented it it just had what's the word i'm looking for here when you look at the the genre cycle if i'm going all technical now with the genre cycle with um christoph metz christoph metz had his genre cycle where you would have the, the formula of a horror movie where this is like the standard horror movie then you kind of have a, a twist in that horror genre and then you'll have the deconstructing of it and then the parody of horror and that's how it formulated at the time and Scream was more of a parody on the horror genre because it was full aware of itself it was what's the, what's the word postmodern like I said it was self-actualization of, of, of what a horror movie is it was ref it was referring to other horror movies which again not a lot of horror movies ever did before it was very self-aware and it brought these tropes and everything to the audience and spoke to the audience of how this is how you survive a horror movie um and for, i'm sure everybody has seen scream or scream 2 or scream 3 by now so i'm not going to spoil anything but it does kind of divert from the tropes a little bit and plays with them because throughout the whole film Sydney was a virgin and they always say the virgin always survives you're not allowed to have sex or you're gonna die and then obviously Sydney decides to give herself away and then doesn't die she still survives but then I'd, would you count Randy as a virgin I don't know would you say he is well, kind of hard it's never really said but it's kind no. of Maybe. Well, I guess he kind of falls into the nerd category, doesn't he? Yeah. Which, again, like I said, they tend to, they probably have a better survival rate than they do of the cheerleaders and jocks, mainly because they end up being the ones that pull through um, mm. for the, fi the the virgin or final girl in the end. If the final girl can't do all of it on her own. Yeah. And obviously, Randy does survive in the screen, but unfortunately, doesn't make it throughout the whole of the screen saga. Uh, I mean, he's in a, he's in three films, isn't he? 
given mm. that. So when you think of this trope, I've already mentioned Scream, but what's the first film that comes to your head? So, well, th this is the thing. Scooby-Doo actually was like a really random, like uh, I put a post on, on Instagram the other day where it was basically Scooby-Doo and um, Scream because I think Scooby-Doo, especially in the live action films, um, in the first one, it comes around, obviously they've, they've broken up and they come back again. And um, Daphne basically says that she's sick of being the damsel in distress the cheerleader character so she ends up like going and taking like black belt in like karate lessons and she ends mm. up saving herself even though still regardless she still gets into the problems because <laughs> that's just that, that's just the character anyway um she can get herself out of them and i think that's a nice like sort of spin on you know that that's very self-aware and then you know you've got fred he's just a himbo he is pro he is still you know maybe not quite a jock but you know him him and Daphne are the 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 power couple like that and then again you've got the the additional probably not necessarily the virgin but you've got a nerd and a stoner I guess a stoner is kind of like a reoccurring sort of trope as well in these uh, teenage um, groups um, but mm -hmm. no the the first thing that comes to my mind and it's literally just because it's like a, a sort of like it's quite recent I they've come around, but um the babysitter films, um where mm -hmm. obviously we've got um blood rituals, but um they're everyone's after their own thing. We have literally got a cheerleader, a jock, a virgin, and then obviously like the nerd as well also probably kind of falls into the virgin category there as well. Um but yeah, those those films kind of follow those uh, that trope as well. But also, again, like Scream takes the mick out of it and uh, sort of plays on it as well. But that's the only thing that was the first thing that came to my head on on that one. And then I guess uh, other than that, if we're talking about older films, then um, I know what you did last summer series. Yeah. It really plays on that. Um, Sarah Michelle Gellar obviously just kind of falls into these <laughs> these categories quite often. We really did. I know she she had a cameo in Screen too, but she only did that, and I know he did last summer. And then did she do the Grudge? That was it, really, wasn't it for horror? Well, yeah, but then also you have to think about the other characters that she gets cast as. You know, Daphne is a popular girl. In theory, um, her character in Cruel Intentions is the popular girl. You know, the bitch. Um, and then you've got Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where. Not only is she popular and a cheerleader, but she is also the final girl, where she kind of like just sort of like breaks that trope of the the virgin final girl and brings it into being the cheerleader and quite a strong personality. Yeah, it's like an well, basically, yeah, she's just uh, she's got one of those faces, though, aren't she? She can kind of go into that category. Mm. You don't really see her as like a, a shrinking wallflower as you might do um, um, Sissy Saspec. Sorry, murdered the last name there. <laughs> basic there from um from carrie, carrie. yeah so yeah what's the thing looking at really early on when you, when you say harry there because again this kind of plays i know it's a stephen king adaptation but it's kind of weird because how can you just talk about this trope with carrie because again you have john travolta jock You've got the cheerleader, which is his girlfriend. I can't remember her name. I want to say Nancy, but I could be completely wrong. Um, and then, like, Sissy Spacek is obviously the the virgin nerd. 
but also kind of the hero and villain at the same time. Mm. And it's, it's you know, we, we can easily pick out these tropes, but then when you're actually watching the film, it I feel like we, appre- we as viewers appreciate the film more if it breaks that general stereotypical, you know, thing of the the sort of the nerdy girl but then she ends up becoming our protagonist slash antagonist at the same time it's a good for you it's a good for her film isn't it that isn't it carrie good for her yeah well carrie 1978 1986 jesus all right i was gonna say you're the one with the dates and directors and obviously better saying people's names than i am Brian De Palma as well, I believe. Um, who also did Mission Impossible. There you go. We've got to try, we need to do a Tom Cruise count, because you have to, any reference to Tom Cruise, there must be at least one every every episode so far. As there should be. <laughs> Only podcast that doesn't. Is it worth listening to? Oh, I mean. I mean, probably. <laughs> Leave us a comment when you, when you watch this, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> the people stopping viewership from this point onwards. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants less. But um, just thinking of Tom Cruise interview the vampire. <laughs> Obviously, it only really. This trope is usually only for high school teen movies to a degree. Like I said, could you use them in, say, an adult movie? I'm trying to think of one. Now, because oh, this is mainly the trope is for high school teen slasher movies yeah um if we're talking in a horror sense obviously you've got your teen movies to a degree like you have clueless mean girls again breaking down these genres and tropes as well but um they don't have a final girl because they're not horror mm. and the final girl usually is the virgin mm. but yeah i'm trying to think it's not something that can usually be be done with adult films. I no. adult films porn now, so. With <laughs> not teen films. Yeah, in a in an uh, yeah in an older audience is what you're trying like an older thing. An older like older characters in it. Like if you talk about a horror film that's not set in high school, like think I can't think of a horror film that's not set in high school. Right? <laughs> no, I'm just like oh, my mind's like I'm looking at the DVDs I've got stacked up here and none of them relate to this right now. I'm like. Yeah, is this a trope of slasher that it has to be in a high school? Well, this is the thing. The tr- the actual like, if you go in as the like the the rigid of these sort of characters, popularity things like that, these things don't really translate into an older lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, these are the sorts of things we tend to grow out unless you're talking about it in a sort of reunion esque kind of situation. Um. Where that sort of does come into to uh, that again, it it still revolves around education because it's like bringing it back to those sorts of things. Um, I literally no idea off the top of my head. I'm li- really trying to think now. <laughs> uh, obviously, there's loads of horror films like supernatural horror, zombie horror, all of yeah. them. Like, I've got loads of them, but thinking of an actual proper slash slasher film that doesn't take place in a high school. I can't think of one because American Psycho you can class as maybe to a degree as a, as a slasher, but it's more of a psychological thriller. Obviously, you're sporting the uh, sporting the American Psycho merch right there. I am. Um, I even have the DVD in front of me, holding up my uh, my iPad. Um, 
Yeah. The thing with it, so when when you were talking about it, American Psycho did come into my head because you do, we have it from this perspective of our our main like plethora of characters are probably who would have been the jocks and the cheerleaders in school, like if in that environment. Um, because again, we're we're talking in a in a high business sort of area, and these sorts of films again, I guess would have caught sort of you would have the high earners, you know these people that are really driving business, their wives and girlfriends, jocks and cheerleaders, and then you've probably got, you know, the underdog who's probably going to fall more into that, like, nerd category. Um, mm. But, yeah, because I, I guess who who do you have as, like, your nerd slash, like, virgin in uh, American Psycho? Is, is Secretary? Well, Elizabeth Moss. It's not Elizabeth Moff, it's Chloe Savini. Chloe Savini, yeah, he's, he's secretary. So she, she is that she is that delicate, you know, bookish kind of character. Not that, you know, she's bookish as a person anyway, but this, like, character compared to the, you know, the extravagance of the other people in the film is that sort of mm. neutral character. But, that, yeah, that's the only way I can sort of think of it in that, in that sense. Yeah. No, I'm I'm saying it right now. A slasher film has to be in high school. I think that that's one of the main tropes of a slasher movie. If it's not a high school slasher movie, needs to be in some sort of like restricted high school college. Like, happy obviously, de- happy death one, day. The only other one that I'm talking about, sorry, in a school education setting, would be Friday the Thirteenth because that's a summer camp. True, but... true. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else. Like Halloween technically isn't set in a school, but she is a school but student. They're, yeah, they're all like children. They're all high schoolers or or, or younger. Well, um, they don't use the typical educational setting of a school to actually do the killings. Do yeah, the killings. do the killings. I mean, uh, what comes? Get, what about films like? Um, like your next, does that count as a slasher or is that counted as like a home invasion film? Can they be the same? I haven't seen your next. <laughs> Neither have I. Oh God. <laughs> Why do you say the strangers then? I haven't seen that either. <laughs> well, because I wouldn't say that's a slasher. I would say that is a home invasion. That is a suspense home invasion film. Okay, so I think we're going to this point now where we're going to completely kind of change the episode to a degree and say, what do you count as a slasher movie? Well, yeah, this is. I think we've we've spoken about this briefly. Well, it it, they marry so closely together the slasher trope and the you know the the cheerleader, and because these are the things of like, um, Scream does it obviously where you have a character that comes back that you already think's dead, which I think was kind of not very widely done at that time. But then that also kind of like brought in that president for other films to do that. Um, I still know what you did last summer does something similar where you think that Jennifer Love Hewitt's the only one left out of uh, everything. But then her friend, who's played by Brandy, turns up like right at the last minute, who also was a character of colour and female. So she, you know, the fact that she ended up being like a last character standing as well was quite a break in as well for the genre. But um it's it yeah we we have these sorts of uh, tropes that do kind of go in with with the uh, with slasher i guess because yeah, I, I mean if you think about it like monster films they don't really care if you're a you they don't care what you they are they don't care what you are they're, 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 yeah. but uh, 
It's funny you say that because uh, the most recent film, though you haven't seen it yet, but Freaky, mm-hmm. you've got like the main character played by Catherine Newton and her best friends are gay and black. Mm-hmm. And obviously the, the premise of Freaky is there's a serial killer played by Vince Vaughn and he swaps bodies with Catherine Newton. Mm-hmm. So she is in his body, he's in her body. And obviously Vince Vaughn is there and basically they're running away from the killer. And the guy saying, I'm gay, you're black, we're basically screwed. (laughs) (laughs) Like, literally, like, we're going to die. And like you said, then with, I know you did last summer, black woman surviving, I think they even say it in screen free as well. Um, Omar Epps' character was saying, basically, like, I'm going to die first. And that's usually the case, especially in older movies, when you're talking 70, 80 slasher movies. The black character usually died first mm. so yeah uh, that's one of the good things i think especially with newer horror movies and newer slasher movies because i know you said that you don't enjoy this trope as much and we can dive that into that a little bit more uh because i think any movie that doesn't really follow these tropes are usually universally recognized to be pretty mm. good movies so is it just a case of the trope is dead and it's basically done or is it just because people just wanted something different i think it's it's that um i think it's starting to open it up to a wider audience you know um, if we still you know it like i was saying before nowadays you know we do we do still have you know the popular and the unpopular but um you know i feel like that sort of um conversation around these things is try to be changed a little bit where people are a bit more fluid they don't tend to be boxed into a certain criteria and especially like we were saying about um you know um essentially if the character is uh, is black then they tend to die first um especially with like you know creators like jordan peele and all that coming around that that is just something that is not happening so like as much in films anymore and i think that gives a you know you have a wider audience there's a um a great documentary on shudder called a uh, horror noir that talks about you know the history of um of horror and its relationship with uh, with um african-american um actors and characters because it is it is wild widely about uh, the sort of americanized you know films uh, where that, that trope kind of comes in because the slasher films um and this cheerleader jock, um, virgin and nerd, is very much an Americanized thing. I, I'm, I don't think you'd find it as much in um, British horror, um, but you know, it still happens. I'm not complete. You know, I'm not saying that it hasn't happened and ha- like isn't happening. But um, it's sort of newer films and given you know a more um, a, you know mixed um, casting, sort of opening it up to people being actually like you know i don't always want to to see the same sort of things happening over again because it comes it comes predictable when you start watching these films and it's like oh this person's gonna die now like i do it now i sit here and i'll watch films and i'm like well they're dead they've done one thing (laughs) they've opened a door they shouldn't have done and i'm like well dead but then it also builds suspense now where they don't die and i'm like well everything i knew is a lie Uh, just when you say about the um what you were saying then so my mind's gone back so i was looking at something quickly when you talk about british films 
and British films don't usually use this trope. Can you name any British horror movies that are set in a school, like Slasher? Um, Tormented. When you think of British movies, you think mainly Shaun of the Dead, or you think of other ones. I don't think there's a lot of Slasher movies that actually are actually uh, set in a, in, in a school. Tormented, there you go. Was there you go. A big film for me back in the day when I was growing up. It was all, It's one of those films, It's I, I'm pretty sure it was like a channel, it was like a Channel 4 film. Um, but yeah, yeah. A, a group of students in a, a boarding school. It's always, see, this is the thing, it's a boarding school in England. Mm. If it's not it's um, not going to be like a it's not a school. school. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not going to be. It's not going to be the you know the high school down the street. It's going to be a public school in the middle of nowhere. Um, but because yeah, of that newer film as well, Slaughterhouse Rules, the Simon Pegg one. But again, I haven't seen that, so I don't know if that actually. <laughs> I said I have. I haven't seen Slaughterhouse Rules, so does it? Does that follow the tropes? I haven't either. I've got it on my list. We're really behind. See, we can, we can talk about older stuff. God help us if we have to talk about newer stuff. <laughs> well, we're slowly catching up. You finally watched we're that. We're getting there. Um, <laughs> like, How many years out of date am I on that one? <laughs> Four. But you said this tormented thing. Because again, it's not one I've seen. I'm just quickly having uh, a look at it with Alex Pettifer and. Yeah. So does that follow the trope especially in britain um from what i remember it is it's it's one of those films of um it's a it's a, a revenge film um so you know people getting their just desserts after being particularly horrible um to a, a character um so i guess it does kind of fall into that trope because we have our typical um characters of you know the popular boy the popular you can't really call them a jock in you in like these sort of like british things they're usually just they like play rugby or something? i think pretty sure one of them plays rugby in it um and then you know you've got pop usually it's the popular girl and boyfriend um oh uh did <laughs> where you'd gone i thought you just left um um so it's like popular everyone's popular to an extent or ends up getting pulled along in this sort of torment I would recommend it. It's good. It's an easy watch. I've lost your audio. So yeah, uh, like I, I, was a I was having a quick look at it, and the picture looks weird. Um, but yeah, I just thought I, I just typed in British teen horror films. Yep. And there was only thirteen that came up. I don't yep. know if you've seen any of them. Amateurville Playhouse, Blood and Chocolate, Bloody New Year. Boy Eats Girl, Don't Hang Up, The Hole, Love Bite, Octane, Slaughterhouse Rules, Sparrow, Tormented, Truthful Dare, and Vampire Academy. I've only seen they're, one. They're the only British teen horror films that come up when I type it on Google. Well, I think this is because, as. Oh, sorry, on Wikipedia. Well, yeah, I, I think on a, I think as an aspect of the the British horror in general, I think it tends to go a lot more around like you're in a forest, you're in a like cabin, the movie, the forest. Like, yeah, exactly. And 
you know, we've got films, films like The Ritual, where people are like, you know, maybe you've not all seen each other for a while, so they all go off on this like, the this like soul finding journey. Like, apparently, their friends, like has been diagnosed with cancer or they're broken up with their all, wife. Exactly, exactly. Well, the one I was going to say is not it's not based in, in a in a trope sort of sense, but Doghouse with Danny Dyer. Always Danny Dyer. He had loads of these sorts of films back in the day. Um, I love it. It's a great film. Um, but essentially, it's that their friend gets divorced, so it's like an anti-stag do. I don't know why James just made me look giant. Like Danny Dyer. <laughs> oh, don't! I love Danny Dyer. Like I know I look like I shouldn't I, love Danny Dyer, but I, Dyer. I, I, I love him so much. I would give anything for Danny Dyer to call me a slag. It'd be great. It would complete my life. But I, I think he's, I think he's great. Wow. Um, the house is essentially an anti anti stag do. So they all go to this little village um, to celebrate their friend having a divorce. Essentially, obviously he's not so happy about it, but uh, everybody else is. But that's my thing. So, with the trope, is this only for American films? Well, uh, now we're talking about it, it must be. I mean. You know, we're only two people talking about this. This might be something where uh, um, our listeners or followers might want to like comment. Um, we could actually put a poll about it um, in um, Instagram after this and just ask people what they think um, after it's gone live, obviously. Uh, not beforehand, don't want to spoil anything. Uh, but it, it, gen it genuinely could be. And I think maybe that sort of thing of, um, you know, slashes is 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 a bigger, is a bigger thing. Um, out there i don't know what it is because you know things like i mean obviously the people that think up of these things are probably british but could it be to do with um like um oh what do they call it? like ratings sometimes it might be harder to get a rating in britain than it is in america though nowadays obviously it's a bit different and um, it's a bit more stricter across everywhere um but maybe back in the day when these films were getting made, it was more, you know, I, I guess as well, American cinema has the money. British cinema doesn't quite have that same dollar-dollar bills. No, exactly. So I decided that I would look, I mean, I'm probably not going to name them all, but I typed in British slasher movies and 47 have come up. And just looking at them, again, none of them seem to be in it's high school. A lot of them, probably Eden Lake. That looks like e a forest. Eden, well, it's a lake, yeah. <laughs> um, Freak Dog. Lighthouse? Not the lighthouse with no. Mother Pines. It. It's, it's Stitches on there. Stitches is on there, yeah. I love Stitches. Maybe I'll get you to watch that at some point. It's a great film. Yeah, it's uh, Ross Noble, isn't it? The clown. Yeah, I, I do like Ross Noble, to be fair, though. Um, the only one I'm going to quickly look on this one, but Prevenge is on there. I know we recently talked Pre about Prevenge. Prevenge, Holly commented about that. Thanks for that, Holly. <laughs> and Mum and Dad is that the? And oh, no, I thought that was the Selma Blair one. I was going to say no. I want to watch that though. I'm pretty sure it's on Shudder. Shout out to Shudder there. Not sponsored, if, but if you want to, mm. if you want um, to. But uh, I'm just—I mean, they can't Sweeney Todd. Fair enough. Uh, but I just want to quickly look on this one because we might have to watch this film because there is a film on here called Slaughter High. 
Uh, it's an international co-production between the Uni- United States and UK, so all right, fair enough. So it's probably set in the UK. But um, the film stars follow a group of adults responsible for a prank gone wrong on April Fool's Day who are invited to a reunion at their high school where a mass killer waits inside for them. Mm. Um, I'm just going to quickly look, because again, reunions don't usually happen within the UK. I don't know if it's just the high school I go to, but... No, I don't. Yep, same same here. I mean, even if my high school did try to organise something like that, I would not be going. I don't mm-hmm. think I could think of anything worse. I hated high school. Um, no offence to anyone from high school that listens to this. I'm sure you're fine, but high school as a concept, hated it. But... Um, yeah. But it's yeah, filmed in London and Virginia Water, Surrey, so it looks British. So I think this is something that I God knows how we'll actually try and find this film because it's limited release in the theaters in nineteen eighty six. So no, we're not finding it then. I mean, it could again. Shout out Shudder could be on Shudder. Sounds like something that they would have. Yeah, it was originally named. I mean, it's de- it was original. It was released as April Fool's Day on VHS in Japan, but that's a completely different film. April Fool's oh, Day. I've got I was going to say, I was like, I've heard of that one. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's not called that. It's just retitled Slaughter High, probably because April Fool's Day came out. Mm. <laughs> just read the tagline for this. Marty majored in cutting classmates. Oh. Mm. <laughs> so we like That's an Americanized version of a, a British slash movie, but maybe that's something we're going to have to explore because I think this trope is only for American teen slasher movies. There isn't a lot of teen British movies because British horror is more... They don't really do slasher. So this Unless, is like, thing... it's a forest store, if it's in... I think, a lot of, I think a lot of it as well is that there is cultural differences between a high school experience in the UK and a high school experience in America. Obviously, um, the age and and like like systems are different um so some i think in the U- us they're still in high school as what we would class as like sixth form or college mm. um so you know these people that we see running around and you're like oh my god they're high school students in reality they're probably college students um and if you think about our culture like as college students now you know you go out and you're drinking and you know messing around and all that sort of stuff so it doesn't seem that jarring but if you think of it in a high school in Britain compared to you know the sort you know they're all being a bit promiscuous and things like that in this this US centric way we would never think of that of our high school students I mean it probably happens we all know you grow up in Blackpool you're on the pier drinking cider on the on, on bonfire nights in November um, but the, these these sorts of things kind of don't like they don't translate which is probably where it comes that we don't have them in a British sort of sense so you've mentioned you don't like the trope and you've kind of explained why but every slash movie has to have a final girl whom is your favorite final girl and why oh oh well, that's bring a neat question i didn't think of this before we sat down bring out the question you are um <laughs> Um, oh. 
I do quite like Nancy from obviously like next to her then um sort of like Laurie Strode is like my next sort of ch choice. We're going I'm going classic with those those two because I think a final girl resonates as something different in this newer world of cinema. Because in theory, Danny from Midsummer is a final girl, but is she really in the same vein a final girl as these these two that I mentioned previously? Which is weird if she's classed as that because she doesn't really do much. She it, it is she more that she take over her and just survives. She was faith. They they had plans and she just did not want to get in the way of them, you know. Because yeah, I mean, same. I'll just stay here and just let you do what you want, and then I'll just cry exactly. and let everyone cry with me. She was out. She was out baking bread, you know. But this is the thing, because if that's been adapted, and you count Danny for Midsummer's as a final girl, one of the main characteristics of a final girl would be you fight the killer and you survive. You fight the killer. You overcome him, like you. You take. You have a fight with him early on in the film, and you just barely get away by the skin of your teeth. Maybe get a scar, or some kind of mark from the killer, and then at the end, because you've lost everything or something, you have the power inside. You believe in yourself, and then you, you overcome the killer. So that to me is what a final girl is. But uh, this is what I'm saying. Cinema's changing. And the demographics that the final girl that we look at in that sense might be a bit different if you look at it from that that cheerleader jock virgin nerd perspective. The now that cinema is changing and we're not kind of pigeonholing people into that those sorts of demographics, being a final girl might actually be something where you are sort of like the last standing from your own like preservation, the need to survive. Um, I'm trying to think of another modern example of a, a final girl. Again, I guess Tree is an example of a final girl, but then again, is she a final girl? She, that? I think she fits more into my criteria of final girl. She she has the trouble. She eventually well, yes. can the killer. But in theory, did, was there any other lives wasted along the way? In theory, with Tree. Was there any lies wasted? Hers, that's what you're saying. Well, yeah, true. But was there anyone other than her own life, in theory, depending on how, how many times she went through it, that was affected? There wasn't really anyone else. Because no, again... No one else died besides, obviously, her roommate. Well, yeah, well, this is the thing. So then it's like, which is, you know, I mean, go watch another episode about Happy Death Day to find out more. Um... But if you think about it in, in that sense, you know, it, the, the the two girls that I mentioned where it was like, obviously like Nancy and Laurie, there was collateral damage, which then ended up making them as returning final girls, you know, they, they were in different, a different mental capacity. You know, they had the, the, you know, the grief and the, you know, the weight of the fact that these other people died on them, hmm. which makes them, you know, stronger, but also slightly damaged in that sense. If you think of it in that sort of, you know, future longevity, a lot of films aren't making sequels nowadays. So you don't need to build up the final girl to make a comeback. That's true. I know they haven't obviously done more, but there is apparently supposed to be a Happy Death Day 3 as well as a number two as well, which I'm sure you're really excited for. Well, the, like you say, the two is there. And, it, you know, we spoke about that in the previous one. 
Um, I feel like three might be a little bit overkill, excuse the pun, but that might literally be a little bit overkill. But, you know, these these films nowadays, like Midsummer, to go back to it, they're just a, they're a one-off. Nobody, I mean, yeah. nobody wants to see a film, I mean, some people might, of Danny living in the community. And I think it's one thing, especially the good horror f- films now, are these just standalone movies mm-hmm. but again all of these films that we talk about that follow these tropes slasher high schools are franchised to a degree like mm-hmm. you don't have really a lot of standalone movies that follow these tropes no so is this a dying trope in horror I think so. I think the slasher genre in general is probably best fitted towards that period of the like seventies, eighties. I think true slasher, where you've got you know you've got your big hitters like Jason, Freddy, Michael Myers. Those are like the real slashers. And then I think you with thousands, it's like it's almost like new slasher. It's it's following the same recipe as the eighties, but it's you know some cases it's a hit and miss it's a bit you know like it's regurgitating the same things but sometimes like the screen franchise it hits on something different which then paves the way for newer films to make those different changes like cabin in the woods the babysitter so on and so forth okay interesting so i'm not sure if there's anything else that you want to say i'm just going to cut you off and say that's basically it for this episode but is there anything <laughs> else you want to say about the show no, I'm just, you know, I mean, as much as it is, um, you know, a tried and tested trope and it is uh, in the the older sort of, like, um, works, it's nice to see it revamping and changing for a more modern world and to have some, you know, some a little bit of change, a, bit, a little bit of spice, a little bit of spice. Now that, now that I'm not in high school, I'm not really, you know, I don't really want to be watching a bunch of teenagers running around and getting cut up as much in like modern cinema yeah what about you um i love my i love my old slasher movies so when i think of this trope i think especially during the conversation that we've had it's something that's just gone it's you don't see it anymore like i think maybe because I mean, they try and remake some of the films and stuff like. But again, this we're talking early to, early two thousands, like Prom Night and One Miss Call or whatever it was called. Like all of these like teen slasher movies, but they're all American and horror movies now. I mean, I don't know if you count Candyman as a slasher. It gets or, put into that that category. I think it can. I mean, there's a lot of slashing. Lots flashing. But um yeah, there's not a lot of movies that really follow this trope. I know Freaky does play with the trope a little bit, set in a high school American, you have these tropes, but they play you again. They play a lot with the whole virgin nerd and and thingy trope. And I really enjoy Freaky like it. It's a really fun film. So I really recommend Freaky and that is why it is my film to watch. In two weeks' time. Oh, fantastic. Okay, I'll need to try and find somewhere as much. Because I'll need to buy. 
Actually, I just need to double check to make sure it's out for you to buy. <laughs> I just realised. Um, because it is quite a, a new film. I'm not actually sure if it is available within the UK as of yet to buy. I know it's available in America. It's on available on HBO Max. For any of our international listeners, it's available on there. But within the UK, um, the film Freaky. See, it's just, it only came out. In a cinema not so long ago, didn't it? So I might have to retract Freaky because Freaky is due to be released on the 4th of October 2021 on DVD. So, <laughs> um, might not be able to do Freaky. Well, just rent it on Amazon. No, it's, it's thingy, it's still shown in cinemas. Yeah, but it had a dual release. Did it? Mm, I'm pretty sure it, keeps, it comes up on my Amazon. I don't know whether that is it showing me via like Now TV or something, but it comes up as an option. Oh, yeah. It is available, yes, because of the new Sky Premiere thing, isn't it? Yeah, you can rent it on there. So, if you we're going to do Freaky, let's bring something brand new, really. A brand new movie. I mean, I'm bringing all these new ones in now, aren't I? And then you can decide what we're going to do next. So next week, join us for our most recent release of the 2020 movie directed by the director of Happy Death Day. <laughs> can you see a reoccurring thing coming through with Jamie's options, guys? <laughs> well, it was just a little bit of Christopher Landon. No, I just thought, let's just do it. Because we always complain. We don't watch enough recent horror films. We do, we do, we do. And, and the thing is, I see the trailer and I want to watch it, and then I just never get around to it. And then it's like, like with Happy Death Day, it's like five years later, and then I finally watch it. And hopefully, you will enjoy it. I'm sure. So, Freaky will be our episode in two weeks' time. It gives me a chance to rewatch it as well because I absolutely adored it when I watched it last year, when it got released in the US of A. So, Freaky. In two weeks time but in the it meantime is. make sure to follow us on instagram facebook at the bloody brilliant podcast at the at bloody brilliant podcast it's not at the it's just at bloody brilliant podcast on facebook and instagram and wherever you are listening or watching on youtube and spotify press that follow button so you never miss an episode and Follow us on Instagram. Emma does a lot of great stuff on Instagram as well. You can check our schedule. I'm sure that's going to be updated soon, probably tomorrow, just so you don't get a spoiler about yep. two weeks' time. So, yes, thank you very much, everybody.